Welcome back everybody. We are the Video Store Junkies and this is Q-Tips and we are here to recommend a few things for you to watch over the weekend on streaming and we're just going to jump right into it and I'm going to pass this over to my good buddy Zach. Oh hi. Hi Renee. Thank you. I did not expect that. Well <laughs> you know Halloween is right around the corner so it's time to start getting into some scary movies. And Lord knows we never recommend scary movies any other time of the year on this podcast. Uh, but I've got a pretty good one today because this is a, uh, a recent release that I was moderately interested in seeing. And it uh, turned out to be really good. And it turned out to be just as good as all the hype surrounding it. So maybe I can hype it up a little bit for everyone listening to this. And then go watch it and hopefully they will feel the same. So the name of the film is The Black Phone. And since I'm awful at uh, giving descriptions, I will just go ahead and read the uh, synopsis for this film. A small town in Colorado is on edge after the disappearance of five children. Soon, Finney Shaw is also kidnapped and locked in a basement. The young boy discovers a nearby phone that transmits, transmits the voices of the other victims who try to help lead Finney to safety. And I gotta say, like, the reason I wasn't super excited about this film, I mean, it's directed by Scott Derrickson, who's a great director. Uh, you know, he's done Sinister and the first Doctor Strange movie. It's based on a story by Joe Hill, who I really like. But it just seemed, uh, I don't know, a little generic. It didn't it didn't quite uh, grab me watching the, the trailer or reading any of the descriptions. And if, if, if you're like me, probably hearing that description doesn't quite grab your attention. But just, tr just trust me, okay? Because this one, it's one of those movies that the execution is what really makes it a fantastic film. It's phenomenally well-directed. It's phenomenally well-shot. It's got a bunch of child actors in the film who are actually really, really incredible actors. Uh, apparently, Scott Derrickson was very adamant when he found the actors, the kids that he wanted. Uh, he was very adamant that they uh, cast all of them in this movie. So um, it's it's uh, definitely a, a rare film where all the child actors are really good. Uh, but speaking of actors, it's also got some great adult actors because the main villain of the film... Uh, <laughs> Nicknamed The Grabber, which, uh, sure, okay, uh, is played by Ethan Hawke, and he puts on a phenomenal performance as uh, the kidnapper in this movie. So check it out. Uh, once again, the name of the show is, the, uh, the name of the show, it's a movie. Uh, <laughs> the name of the movie is The Black Phone, and it is currently streaming exclusively on Peacock. And we all know everyone here has a Peacock subscription, so uh, you can go check it out uh, right after this podcast. And... Uh, speaking of people who have been nicknamed the Grabber at various points in their life, I'm going to pass this over to Paul. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Why, thank you, Zach, I guess. Um, I want to second that. Excellent film uh, based on a, a great short story, and just like you said, the execution of it was was top-notch. So, my, th my theme this week is Oakland. Oakland, California. Uh, both <laughs> films uh, are sort of highlight Oakland were shot in Oakland. Uh, they're shot in 2017. They both came out 2018. Uh, my first film is Blind Spotting, one word, and it's currently playing on Pluto TV in the Roku channel. This film is fantastic, and I do not know why I do not hear more people talk about it. It it was uh, written by and both written and stars David Diggs and Rafael Casal. I think I pronounced their names, and uh, they're directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada. And it's basically about uh, two friends who grew up in Oakland, uh, Colin, played by David Diggs, who's black, and Miles, played by Raphael Casal, who's white. 
And Colin has like three days left on his probation uh, on his after his parole and uh, basically witnesses a police shooting um, of an unarmed black man who was running past him. And this kind of complicates things. And uh, the film goes from there. It's actually it's a drama, but it's also got a fair amount of comedy in it. Um, and it deals with things. It's a partially a love letter to Oakland. It's also uh, deals with um, uh, gentrification. It really heavily deals with identity and who gets to say what your identity is. Um, partially because Miles grew had Miles, who's white, grew up in Oakland, and some people think he's basically. Uh, appropriating black culture but this is the culture he grew up in so there's some that issues and it gets really complicated it's complicated nuanced there's also probably one of the most tense scenes i have ever seen and even though i could never feel exactly what it's supposed to be i think i it's it's hard to say but it, i think it really gives a real good indication of of what's going on in terms of this feeling that it's meant to give you it is incredibly tense fantastic film I just I never hear anybody talk about it, and I, I was just so disappointed. I saw it when it came out. I was looking forward. It saw it, and like you heard nothing about it. Um, what's nice is it's actually apparently now they have uh, David Diggs and Rafael Casal have, have also created a, a spinoff TV series. Um, uh, Casal is actually the showrunner for it. It takes place six months after. Um, I'm not sure exactly where it's playing. I think it's on one of the pay channels right now because I think it was. Might have been. Um, I'm not really sure. I have to take a look, and I haven't seen it yet, so I can't recommend it <laughs> right now. But uh, it's also called Blind Spotting. But the movie is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Again, Blind Spotting. It's a drama, but it's got some comedy in it. Um, fantastic stuff. Uh, Pluto TV and Roku Channel. And uh, speaking about coming from Oakland, I pass this to Bill Mulligan, who didn't come from Oakland. No, I don't think I've ever been in Oakland. Haven't had the pleasure. Um, okay, so my theme this week is we have no budget. What do we do now? And the first one, which can be found on Plex and Tubi, because everything can be found on Tubi, is 1978's Laser Blast. Yeah, that's, that's the right <laughs> attitude. Laser Blast is on every list of 100 worst movies ever made. And, and it's heartbreaking because the premise is just so rock-solid. An unhappy teenage loner discovers an alien laser cannon and goes on a murderous rampage seeking revenge against those who he feels have wronged him. Take my money. This is the guy's version of Carrie. I don't know what it was like for you guys growing up, but boy, when I was in high school, if I found an alien laser cannon, it pretty much would have ended up a lot like the movie Laser Blast. What I, what I like about this movie is that it's so unpretentious. I mean, it's called Laser Blast, and it understands that people who go to see a movie called Laser Blast, all we really ask is that there's a laser and a lot of blasting. And that's pretty much the movie. He just goes around and he blows things up with his stupid-looking laser, which looks like it was just whipped together in one afternoon after a visit to Lowe's Hardware Store. Also, he's turning green with really bad makeup. But, but, but what raises this to the level of I had to watch it is that it's got a lot of really good stop motion animation by David Allen. This was his first collaboration with Charles Band. It was released through Full Moon Entertainment. And the stop motion's great. It instantly elevates the production value of this 
cheap, cheap-ass looking movie. I mean, boy, it is cheap looking. But then all of a sudden you see this, you know, this real Star Wars quality stop motion. And, and yeah, and, and there's a lot of those little aliens, too. They're great. I don't know why nobody ever cosplays as this, because really it would not take you any effort at all, about the same effort that they put into it. <laughs> and it also has the actor from uh, The Godfather, who, guy who played Carlo Rossi. Huh? Huh? Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, it's got Roddy McDowell in a small part. Man had to eat. Yeah. yeah um, boy, it's terrible. It's terrible. You can also watch yeah. the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version, which I think was the last one they had before they moved to the Sci-Fi Channel. And that's probably the way to go. Because if you're watching this movie, uh, you're going to be making fun of it, too. So you might as well let the professionals do it, because comedy is difficult. And I'm going to send this off to Renee. Well, hello. You know, as Zach mentioned, Halloween is coming. And that means that summer is ending. And when summer ends, that means Shark Week ends. So I'm here to... If you fill all of your shark needs before summer is, is over. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump right into this one, which is Sharknado 2. Yes, that's right. Don't even watch the first one. I mean you can if you want to, but you don't have to. I honestly would jump right into the second one. At this point, they know what this is, and it has a much more uh, humorous approach. It has a shit ton of cameos, and it's ridiculous. It's Sharknado. Um the first Sharknado took place in Los Angeles. It was a Sharknado that uh, came over, which I, I don't, anyway, we won't get into the science of all that. Anyhow, um, uh, sorry, I just threw myself off because it's like, I'm going to argue <laughs> tornadoes being in California while they have sharks flying in the tornado. So I should probably <laughs> pick my battles. Um, anyway, so this version uh, takes place in New York City. And it has the same uh, cast of Ian Ziering, uh, Tara Reid, and I believe Vivica A. Fox. I'm not, I honestly don't remember if she was in the first one, but she's definitely in this one. Anyhow, Sharknado 2. You should watch it. It's on Prime Video and also Hoopla. And uh, yeah, so I'll pass this over to Zach. Oh, thank you again. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry. I was just uh, I, remembering to add all of the Sharknadoes to my queue. Uh, I've actually never seen a Sharknado in my life. Oh, um, well, the first job. one is also on Amazon. Okay. Well, I'll do a I'll do a marathon at some point. Um, but I'm not here to talk about sharks or Sharknadoes today. Although I am here to talk about a place that uh, probably does see a lot of tornadoes, uh, which is the beautiful uh, land of Oklahoma. And uh, the show I'm going to recommend that takes place in Oklahoma actually takes place on a uh, reservation in Oklahoma because the name of the show is Reservation Dogs. And it's about a bunch of teenagers, uh, Native American teenagers who live in the reservation and they dream of getting off the reservation. And you may be saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm a longtime Q-Tips listener. I've heard you recommend this show before. No fair. And I have recommended this show before because the first episode or the first season was one of the most brilliant seasons of TV uh, that I've seen in some time. Uh, but guess what? I'm recommending it again because the second season is currently airing on Hulu. And it is still one of the most amazing shows that uh, I think is currently airing. So I am re-recommending it. If somehow you missed uh, the first time that I recommended it or you didn't heed my recommendation, it's a great time 
to go check out the first season and now the second season uh, because it's uh, it's still just as amazing and heartfelt and funny and weird as the first season. So uh, once again, the name of the show is Reservation Dogs. It is currently playing on Hulu. And uh, speaking of things that are weird and also funny, I will pass this over to Paul. Why? Thank you, Zach. And and weird and funny actually kind of fits my my second film. Uh, my second film, which also takes place in Oakland, is sort of a love letter to Oakland, um, is Sorry to Bother You from tw- 2018, currently playing on Netflix and Hulu. It's by writer-director Boots Riley, who fans of the uh, group The Coup would know as well. Um, it stars Lakeith Stanfield as Cassius Green, who is a young man who gets a job as a telemarketer. And that's all I really want to tell you, because things just go really weird and off the rails. He finds an unusual way to move ahead in his in his job. Uh, it also stores, stars Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler, Terry Crews with hair, which is always an interesting thing to see, Stephen Yawn, Danny Glover, Army Hammer, and he wasn't eating anybody as far as I know. Um, and it also has a pretty funny role for David Cross and also uh, Patton Oswalt. It is it's really funny it's definitely full of social commentary it's gets completely off the rails like just when you it just gets really bizarre and has an absolutely kick-ass soundtrack by the coup um boots riley wrote the wrote the original soundtrack for it. the original soundtrack album is from 2013 that he wrote well when he was writing the, the movie fantastic great album then there's also a, a soundtrack soundtrack album as well um what's interesting is uh boots riley like i said wrote it in 2013 but when they were making it he had to tone down some of the social commentary because it was you know this is at that point it was during the trump administration and people were like oh you're, you wrote this about the trump administration it's so on the nose he's like oh my god no i was writing this about the the obama administration it was i'm writing about the united states in general and he said and it's this you know I had to actually kind of tone it down so it didn't seem so on the nose. Um, it's definitely about, uh, well, it's about class. It's about race. Um, it's about uh, capitalism. Uh, it's about uh, working and what you need to do to work. It is very funny, very weird, very strange. Again, that's sorry to bother you. Well, Keith Stanfield is amazing, fantastic in it. I mean, he's always great. And again, it's on uh, Netflix and Hulu. And... Uh, Speaking of um, uh, people who've played, who have been played by Lakeith Stanfield, I'll pass this to Bill Mulligan. Oh, why, thank you. You know me so well. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you know how whenever we do like a deep dive, we have the whole thing about what is your personal relationship with this movie, <laughs> which always sounds kind of odd and awkward. Well, this is a movie I do have a deep personal relationship with. It is 1972's brilliantly named Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. <laughs> Um, yeah, I could talk for a long time about this movie because it's, it's amazing. Um, is it good? Yes. (laughs) But you notice how I said yes. You have to be prepared for this. This is a grindhouse movie made at a time when once you got in the drive-in, you didn't really get a chance to leave and you didn't have a magic remote control that would switch to the next movie. So they could take their damn sweet time getting to the point. And this movie is one half not terribly funny comedy film about a bunch of um, hippies who theater troupe who go to an island and start desecrating a graveyard. 
And at a certain point, and if you're watching this with the remote control, you've probably zipped through everything or just given up. And that's why movies like this aren't made anymore. Because it, there comes a point where suddenly it's almost like the filmmakers realize this wasn't working. And, and they were like, oh my God, we're halfway through. How are we going to make this movie so that anybody would watch it? And from the corner of the room, a still small voice said, what if we put zombies in it? And they're like, Kevin, you're a genius. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this movie becomes an amazingly great zombie film. Like, really incredible. Um, the, the, the lameness of the first half actually makes the coolness of the second half even better. It's like taking a swig of bitter coffee and then taking a bite of cheesecake. It ah. just works so well. Um, now, what's the... Pr so, so I recommend it totally. Listen, just give it time. Yes, it's a long, slow burn, but trust me, don't go through anything. Watch it, watch it. Appreciate the fact that it was made in 1972 and ideas of comedy and, and things have changed. It's not going to win any gay rights awards. Let's just leave it at that. Um, you know, it's a bunch of amateur actors playing amateur actors. I mean, you can always tell it's, it's trouble when the characters are named after the actual actors. That's to make sure they don't forget their names. Um... So here's the personal thing. The first conversation I ever had with my wife, we talked for a long time. We discovered we had a lot in common. In the middle of nowhere, she said, have you ever seen a movie called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things? Oh, my God. And I was like, okay, so I need to go buy a ring and rent a moving van. <laughs> because, A, this woman is as random as I am. And, B, she's seen Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. This is like a unicorn. I mean, come on. So there's that. But here's, here's the sad part. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a very serious um, attempt to remake this film. And I was asked to write the screenplay, which I did, and I loved it. And it's probably the favorite, my favorite thing that I ever wrote. It actually got the blessing of the original filmmakers, the ones that are still here. Bob Clark, who directed this, um, was killed in a, a car crash. And this is one of those mystery things with Bob Clark that he... You know, this is a guy who did this movie, A Christmas Story, Porky's, and Black Christmas. And what those films all have in common is that they have absolutely nothing in common. <laughs> Bob Clark was, was an amazing filmmaker. He was capable of doing great stuff, and he was also capable of doing baby geniuses, too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to be able to sit him down and grill his brain. But anyway, so this remake looked like it was going to happen, and I, I really tried hard because I, I love this movie, but I recognize something like exactly like it couldn't be made so the trick was how do i modernize it without losing the things that make it great and i feel like i was a good person for this because i do love the film i hate it when people say we're remaking this movie and we're going to get rid of all the stuff that sucks it's like listen if you think the movie sucks don't remake it because you're not the right person for the job you know um but then covid came along and that kind of threw everything off. And with, with movie making, and this would have been, you know, a more substantial budget than what I'm used to dealing with, momentum counts for a lot. And I think the project's pretty much dead in the water at this point. I mean, there's always the chance it could be resurrected, much like a zombie, but I it's I think it's kind of unlikely. I think others other people may have come along and grabbed the rights. So that would have been a nice bookmark to my, uh, you know, latter part of my life that I meet my wife. Uh, with children shouldn't play with dead things and then you know, like i go to the premiere of 
the remake with my script on it, and then I'm run over by a cement mixer on the way home. I mean, I think ah! that just, that's the kind of thing that gives you immortality, you know? It's like, wow, that's so cool. It's kind of like Lincoln. Ouch. Anywho, so there you go. But I do recommend watching it. It's, it's, I think it's pretty much, I don't know if it's fallen into the public domain or not. It's one of those things, the rights are kind of screwy, but everyone seems like they can release a copy. So it's everywhere, everywhere. Some prints are better than others. I don't think that it ever looked like the Ten Commandments, but uh, mm -hmm. I've seen some good prints and some bad prints. But you know, even the bad ones, the cheapness of it works. Unlike Laser Blast, which had very low ambitions, these guys actually were trying to do something. And whether you like or appreciate what they did, especially in the first half, you got to say they did something that's really, really hard to do, which is make a movie that is unlike any other movie that has ever been made. Think of how difficult that is with the gazillion films that have come out. There is nothing you can really compare children shouldn't play with dead things to. So, uh, again, it's on Tubi, as is everything, and uh, highly recommended. And I give this to uh, someone else I highly recommend, Renee. Ah, thanks. But oh. man, I tell you what, I don't, I don't think I can follow that story. Uh, like just end the episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, end it on a heartbreak. Why not? Oh man. Oh, I'm, yeah. now I'm just like, how do we make this happen? You just, you just better have a, a personal story about whatever your next recommendation is. And That's right. Just make it up. Yeah. Okay. Well, it just so happens that a few years ago, uh, I was in Australia and there was a freak tsunami and it Ooh. flooded the grocery store and a shark got into the grocery store and it was like super scary, you guys. Um, oh my God, How, did you live? I did, I did, Good. barely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I lost both of my arms and a oh. part of my face. Um, oh. So, <laughs> Jesus, sorry. I was gonna make a comparison to the lady got her face ripped off by a chimpanzee, but probably should oh. do that, even though I just did. So, uh, yeah. So this movie is about a shark that gets into a grocery store, and it's stalking all the people that are stuck in the grocery store. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's it's kind of, I guess, what you would expect. There are some tense moments, as you would also expect from pretty much any shark movie. So this movie is called Bait. It'd be good if I told you what it was. It's called Bait. And don't confuse it with the sequel that just came out. That one is the one that stinks. <laughs> Bait. The 2012 version is available on Tubi and Hoopla and Freebie and two things that I can't read uh, from this distance. So it's <laughs> like, oh, what is that? Screenbox and... Oh, Screenbox and Screenbox. Well, thanks. I'll edit that out. Um, yeah, so again, this movie is called Bait. And, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. Not that you have Beautiful. nothing, but I second bait. It's good. Like, that's all I can really <laughs> give you. The shark movie. It's in a grocery store. Anyway, um, so yeah, I guess that's all we have. Does anybody else have any random third recommendations? I, I do want to oh, second, uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Uh, my cousins and I watched it, like, at the late, you know, the midnight movie when we were kids. And we yeah. all ran and got, um, and they lived at the end of like a dead end street. Oh, perfect! And we we ran and got like butcher knives and sat there watching it, because oh yeah, God. that the ending is scary as fuck. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. it's really really well done. So, yeah, definitely want to second that. I want to say one thing about Black Phone is that um, 
It's directed by Scott Derrickson, as Zach mentioned, and written by C. Robert Cargill, who was the writer of the first Doctor Strange film. And they were both on board to do the second one. And they weren't completely happy, I guess, with, you know, creative differences and everything. They, they could have made a go of it. And, you know, Marvel pays big bucks. But they had the chance to do this. So they, they tossed away a, a surefire multi-hundreds of millions of dollars box office to do something that they uh, felt strongly about and wanted to do. you got to admire that. Very cool. I think... I think if you make a Marvel movie at this point, you got to go in there and they're like, okay, I got some great ideas. Like, oh, hold your horses there, Scooter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this has got to be a sequel to a TV show that we did, and it has to, uh, prep, you know, prep the road for the next film that's going to come out. And there's got to be this, 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 and this in it. And like you look at that, and like, well, there's not a whole lot of room for the stuff I want to do. That's the deal you make. In return, this movie will, is almost guaranteed to make more than $200 million, so you'll have that on your resume. I think they made an interesting choice. Yeah, I would agree. Hmm. It's not the choice I would have made. <laughs> <laughs> you dangle that carrot in front of my face, just watch it, watch it disappear. <laughs> Speaking of disappearing, it's the end yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, oh. does anybody have a song? Anybody? Uh-oh. If not, I do. <gasps> oh, of course. You the do. hardest part was actually picking which song from uh, Sorry to Bother You. To no, the do. hardest part's going to be listening to this, but go ahead. No, this is great. This is great. This is great. Uh, I promise to stop after the first verse because uh, I, I, I can't mutilate it any worse. So uh, it's The Magic Clap. Come on, kids. Uh, gather round. Uh, listen up. The magic clap. M-A-G-I-C-C-L-A-P. Let's go. M-A-G-I-C-C-L-A-P. Let's go. Clap. Magic clap. For the weekend of August 19th, Zachary recommended the Black Phone, available on Peacock and Reservation Dogs, available on Hulu. All recommended Blind Spotting, available on the Roku Channel, Stars, DirecTV, and Pluto. And Sorry to Bother You, available on Hulu and Netflix. Bill recommended Laser Blast, available on the Roku Channel, Voodoo, Tubi, Pluto TV, Flex, and Freebie. And Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, available on Tubi, Flex, Cult Picks, and Flix Flings. I recommended Sharknado 2, available on Prime Video and Hoopla, and Bait, available on Hoopla, Tubi, and Screenbox. Clap, 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 uh, magic clap, 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 and then, then we'll stop there. That's, yeah, I guess it just cut all the, the clapping out. Yeah, the, the clapping was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can here. I'll just I'll just record a loop, and then Renee, you can insert it. Clap, 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 clap. The painful silence was great. It was like listening to Zach tell a joke. Aww, aww.